Welcome to the Serious Leisure podcast, where we bring you fascinating and inspiring stories about engaging with leisure seriously. We reflect on our struggles and successes with balancing our leisure, work and well-being. My name is Kat Branch and I lead the University of the West of England Centre for Music and I am your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by our regular podcast contributor, Dr Sam Elkington from Teesside University and Sam is our Serious Leisure expert. Welcome Sam. Thanks Kat, pleasure to be here as usual. We're also joined by my colleague, Dr. Petia Petrova, whose soothing voice you will recognise as the usual presenter of the Serious Leisure podcast. Petia is Associate Director of Academic Practice at the University of the West of England. Welcome, Petia. Thanks, Kat. Um, glad to be here and for regular listeners. If you hear my voice is a little weird, I am having a little bit of the sniffles today. So sad for you. <laughs> For those of you who are new to the Series Leisure podcast, a huge welcome and thank you so much for joining us. And you may notice that we abbreviate the University of the West of England to UE. Now today, we're really excited to welcome a very special guest, Roger Griffith. Roger has an extraordinary career as a social entrepreneur, a writer, activist and an academic. Roger has managed to create the unusual situation of combining work and leisure into a single lived experience with the philosophy of try and do stuff that makes you happy. And where these often separated areas of work and leisure blur into a portfolio of meaningful activity with all the hallmarks of serious leisure, but still often categorized as work. This idea of work slash leisure um, combining into one can seem like a pipe dream to many of us. So we'll be exploring how this works in reality and understanding what happens when the boundaries between work and leisure dissolve. So first of all, Roger, could you please introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit about your current working life and what it involves? Sure. Um, delighted to be here. My name is Roger Griffith, uh, MBE, and I am an associate lecturer uh, working on special projects at uh, UE Bristol. Uh, I'm also the CEO of uh, my own consultancy, Creative Connects, where we connect uh, opportunities from underserved or uh, underrepresented groups to large organisations such as uh, councils and, and businesses. And I also uh, write across a number of uh, platforms uh, as well. Thanks for that. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of your working life there. <laughs> really interesting. Um, today, we're focusing on how leisure and work can combine into a single approach to living. So, Roger, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about how you see all the different types of activity in your life. Which aspects perhaps feel more closely aligned to leisure, where we might associate that with relaxing and recharging? And which parts of those feel more like work? And which are firmly in the middle? Great way to start. Um, yeah, I, I, let's start with the, the certainly the relaxation uh, uh, side of it, because uh, after I got made redundant in 2009, I, I definitely wanted to live a, a different lifestyle and I wanted to do more things that I enjoy uh, and literally made me happier. And that was uh, using uh, creative arts uh, as a tool to, to move forward. But as part of that, that was also uh, lent into my history, lent into my identity about who I was. So definitely the, the writing, um, which I now do across several platforms. Um, next week, I've got an article about monuments um, following the, the a year on from uh, Colston's uh, fall uh, and the inspiration and horror of, of statues um, uh, are coming out. I've written a play about Barack Obama's life 
and I'm writing a fiction book about a group of eight guys and uh, uh, male toxicity and friendships uh, as well. I was preparing for my second book, which is My American Odyssey, uh, from the Windrush to the White House, more travels within uh, the US and connecting that to uh, key incidents in, in Britain in my life and uh, uh, over the last 50 years. So that gives me a complexity and a, uh, a tapestry really to work from. Uh, there's lots of travel in there, there's um, some research, there's reading uh, and a lot of history. So there's, there's, there's plenty there, um, both creatively and leisurely to um, uh, keep me uh, uh, going and, and, and relax me. And that's where I, I get my key sources of energy and my key sources of inspiration from. It's really interesting, Roger. Even hearing you describe this list, though, it still feels quite worky to me. Um, I wonder um, what part of that experience that you've described, these different types of writing, what is it about doing that that nevertheless recharges you and gives you that sense of enjoyment and meaning? Um, well, because I've... Uh really kind of branched out my my writings as short short pieces of my my poetry because they're so um compared to six years of writing my first book and the research it took to 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 make that and uh even struggling with my first novel in terms of getting the, the pacing and, and and writing seeing a finished uh, um a project from a uh a written essay or or, or blog as we now call um, gives me a lot of satisfaction. So I like to the finished project and uh, looking back and saying, yes, that's that's come out really well. So I don't think when you're when you're writing these pieces, never know how they start, how they end up. They might go in different directions. Um, I'll get a brief uh, and a, and a, you know kind of draw the dots uh, in between. You draw on history, draw on personal history, uh, and I like to make them as as, as personal as possible. Again, that's um, that's one of my um, things that I've brought into the creative arts uh, of, of projects, writing about things that are very personal to me. Um, and again, that that keeps the, the, the recharge, either my family's history or, or, or Britain's history or uh, um, how that uh, connects with race and social equality and, the, and some of the injustices or uh, inspirations that that, that brings. So, I think all of that just um, you know keeps keeps the the, the kind of uh, batteries uh, humming humming along. I also get involved in creative arts. I sit on the arts council board, and have done for the last five uh, five or six years. And um, that role of of uh, you know encouraging other artists and other organisations to either improve their diversity inclusion or and, and bring that in. And that's also inspiring. And I've you know. Uh, this week attended the uh, the chair of uh, St Paul's Carnival, uh, who's Levi Roots, uh, and um, that um, him being brought to Bristol. I've worked with uh, the current uh, uh, executive chair at Jima uh, Radio and uh, gave her a first opportunity in in, in Bristol. And just seeing that fruition uh, there, and just giving you know, new new talent to go on and you know achieve and you know, surpass. Uh, expectation and, and and bring that to fruition it just really gives you a buzz and exactly when it's connected with uh, history and heritage and, and culture of uh, uh, our, our journey in, uh, as a uh, of black people in Britain. So listening to you talk about um, that whole selection of different activities and different things that you're involved in there 
it's it's, it's clear to feel um, your passion for what you're doing and and your motivation for, for for being involved in all of that. Now, this is normally the stage where we would have a bit of an origin story about someone's serious leisure activity, which feels quite cut and dry when we're talking about running or or fishing or singing, perhaps. But in your case, where all the boundaries are rather blurred, I wondered if perhaps you could take us back to when you were working in what I could call a more traditional way. And then you talked about a sort of redundancy experience that gave you a transition point. Could you take us back to that time in your journey and talk us through to how you brought yourself to where you are now on this quest to do things that make you happy? Well, I, I suppose that, that I need to, you know, as a latter day historian, so I used to actually hate history um, because there wasn't enough uh, representation the way it was being taught it kind of made me excluded I didn't like the you know uh, depictions of Africa and mud huts and starvation and and, and slavery uh, before I could uh, really cope with it which uh, I may touch upon uh, 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 later but I, I kind of left school without any qualifications um, it wasn't until my mid-20s that um, I, got, I went along the path of lifelong learning I was always uh, I always knew it was kind of bright and always loved English but none of those things were were, were harnessed uh, and I teach at university uh, kind of famously still pinch myself on on, on that journey uh, I, but I never saw a black teacher until my late mid to late 20s for instance someone who told me I could have got paid for um, talking a lot as you're going to hear a lot today and uh, and writing well I'm just signed up to that uh, particular gig a, a long time before and it saved the, me and the rest of the world a lot of trouble quite frankly but in all seriousness, um, I was in the buildings for 10 years. The 80s were a dark, were dark years in, in Bristol and Britain. Uh, we had in city riots in, in uh, Bristol, black male unemployment was 50%, 40% male unemployment, minor strikes, football violence, and uh, rise of, of fascism and, and, and national front in the streets, and uh, a lot of, you know, kind of street violence uh, uh, that there was. There were no cameras around, being arrested by the police, stop and search laws, uh, inner city troubles from the, you know, Know, and that also broke out in Totsdorf, uh, Birmingham uh, as well, but 40 year anniversaries. Things like the New Cross fire happened where you know, 13 black teenagers who looked like me got killed and nothing was said uh, by the establishment in, in New Cross in 1981. So that kind of, there was a lot of angry kind of times during the 80s, but they're also enriching through music uh, uh, and culture, which taught me a lot about um, my existence. Um, in terms of the you know bands around specials and UB40 being two, we were singing about my life. UB40 that was the form I was signing off on. That was the first album signing off. Specials had records, Ghost Town, Too Much Too Young was a teenage father, and also uh, Do Nothing and, and Be Unemployed. So I, I knew I had to kind of get out of that existence. Took a positive action course. Uh, Eighteen years later, I ended up um, uh, as a senior manager. I did some equalities work. Uh, housing was my, was my profession. Uh, but a lot of uh, training in between there, counselling uh, courses, coaching courses, uh, supervision and management, of which I, I do hold my um, uh, uh, degree uh, in. Um, I suppose that transitioning, A, taught me that I could, you know, it was possible to reinvent lives, as I'd read from uh, uh, Malcolm X's uh, excellent autobiography, which changed my life, that, that period, that story of redemption. He was in prison uh, famously um, when he kind of read and educated himself and I went on the path of doing similar. Um, it was that story of, of redemption, of, of betterness and, and making it for, your, uh, for yourself that, that, that really drove me earlier on. 
uh, and then dipping into that that culture uh, and a, and a, an enrichment of black excellence and uh, wanted to do that in uh, in the in the UK first through housing, but then um, certainly when I once got made redundant uh, and uh, that period of social justice and a way of combining that into a, a career, which is where the social entrepreneur side uh, comes uh, comes in. Amazing. So. Um, when we spoke before we recorded the podcast today, I remember you saying that actually you could see that this redundancy possibility was on the horizon and that had given you chance to sort of make a bit of a, a plan, a sort of an intention about what you were going to do next and what were going to be the first steps you were going to take. I wonder, could you tell us a bit about what those first decisions were as you knew that then this formal role was finishing but clearly you made this intentional choice to not go straight into another role like that, um, building on the, your, you know, your housing specialism, but to do something else. So what had you decided and what approach did you take? I think there is the role of where friends and, and uh, beyond family, friends of mentor kind of take over. I've always um, pride myself in, my, uh, in listening. And taking uh, advice and counsel from people I know and trust, I have a very strong uh, friendship core who who've guided me uh, o- over the years. And um, you know whether it's was, was buying my first and only house, I still live in the only house that I've, I've I've bought in when I I couldn't afford it, and to make the extra money uh, to uh, to make uh, sure that I bought it, and you know if I carried on renting, well that would have been under un- unaffordable. Uh, and now for, for me and with equivalent wages or in this case, um, uh, changing career, I'd had, I'd had good advice. I'd had uh, years of experience from living in a housing estate in Lawrence Weston and in, in uh, North Bristol, a uh, white working class area. So I knew what housing, uh, even though I don't have the formal complications, I had the, the lived experience even then of what on a, uh, what, how a housing estate worked and, uh, you know, claiming benefits and, 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 and the like. So that was um, my shortcut and, and path in terms of dealing in the states that I worked in in, uh, in Eastern and Barton Hill and Hartcliffe and, uh, and Withy was real uh, a tough estate, but that's where I was from uh, uh, growing up in, in those tough estates. So I knew who the people were. I had, uh, you know, I knew all the tricks. I knew all the uh, friendly faces, and also needed they needed opportunity. So, but that so that only would take me so far. So. The other skills in terms of management uh, that I remember having a, a good conversation. Um, so it's got the housing skills. So we, you know, management you can do in uh, you can move around in anything once you can do with money. So I, I did those qualifications, but also um, wanted to, to broaden my skills on the softer side of, uh, of skills. I'm you know blessed to be here here today, but um, those soft skills around understanding people first through uh, you know two years of uh, counselling training, and then through coaching gave me the skills about understanding different people. I thought I was just connecting with was you know, black guys in their mid fifties. Well, uh, that only get me so far. I needed to understand the workforce, understand my workforce and people I, I, I manage and also organizations. So um, listening to that and being able to flex and, and, and change and then left me with a broad range of, of, of skills, which I can uh, I, I, I use now. So, set up my consultancy in 2001 the first in coaching um but then once i got um i could see because we were closing offices and i was responsible for closing three offices in 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 bristol in saint george and in uh and uh, barton hill and um uh also in uh frenchy uh, sorry fishponds um 
I knew that um, uh, a I could my talents could be uh, elsewhere. Uh, I was going to get a redundancy. I'd have time for the first time in my life to take a year out. Again, people said, you'll never get that chance again. Don't go straight into something. Do whatever you want to do. Then I took a holiday. I went around the world and to Australia for the first time. Um, and Sorry, second time. And also in, in New Zealand uh, for the first time. I went to, uh, back to America. Uh, and I also started my, writing the, the bones of my book uh, then also and setting up my consultancy properly to re, uh, reinvent it. It took a year. Uh, off the grid of, of of the treadmill, and that taught me a lot. It taught me, uh, you know, that um, I was earning, you know, reasonable money. What I had was job security. But did I need all of those those things? What can I survive by? Let's see, you know, in a couple of years, if the what the worst case scenario would be, I'd been used to working and building sites for for years. If I had to go, if I had to go back to um, doing a shift in uh, a McDonald's or doing a, a in, in pub, then so be it. I can always fall back on my uh, housing experience in all seriousness uh, in terms of um, just temping. I had options for the first time in my life. And I think when you sit down and have a look at the careers that you, you have, uh, and this, more importantly, the skills and transferable skills is an important one. I've just touched upon how important, um, it, you know, uh, uh, coaching and counselling was uh, uh, in that. So when I interview now, um, when I went into the radio world and uh, took on my voluntary role at Ajima, I had those skills there that were, you know, in terms of listening. And you know, guests would say, "Oh, you were great listening," because I'd had that those skills and uh, of listening. That was also um, important to my job uh, in terms of, you know, whether you're conducting disciplinary or sickness reviews or interviewing um, uh, people who've just gone through domestic violence or racial harassment. Uh, I'd had years of those those skills that I didn't I didn't know that they could apply to. Uh, uh, radio and, and, and media, uh, as well as making that those community connections as well. So, I was, I was once two thousand and nine and, and ten came around when I got made redundant. I just was blessed with a looking at. Um, well, I've got quite a lot of transferable skills here to do. Uh, at least give me a, a, an opportunity to try something uh, different and go to that ultimate goal of doing the things to making me uh, happy and living a more fulfilled life. Okay, so um, you mentioned there, Roger, that um, soon after that period, so you took that time out to travel, to reflect, to start your first pieces of writing. And you also talked about doing some voluntary work. Was that an important transitional activity for you? Absolutely. I'd, I'd say the key, uh, um, I remember, to, you know, in terms of doing the the coaching course and you, you had things around values and beliefs you have to understand that as a, as a coach uh, as well so what type of manager you, you're going to be and, and so in, in doing that one of the things that were, were, were un, uh, underpinned was contribution and that was something that ran through my, my family they chose uh, more faith I do put mine more in, in contribution and working in communities so um, the minute I finished my training in 91 i remember working with a woman called leo goodridge um uh you know we know as a civil rights campaigner now in saint saint paul she was also from guyana and she, they, she just made it clear once i did once i'd done my my training i had to give something back you had to sit on committees there you had to, uh you spend three hours uh so i'd, I'd, I'd always uh in 91 i did my finish um uh, my training 93 i was back on the board um 
uh, as a trainee given uh, given back you mentored on a one-to-one -one basis uh, you did what you uh, you could in a, in, a, in a voluntary capacity so I'd always kept that for a number of years uh, and then um, the, the organization that ran Ajima, uh, Seed was uh, going bankrupt and we had an opportunity. I was um, asked to be chair and we, you know, the business model was just, it's gonna continue that bankruptcy model. So I, uh, you know, I, I used my skills then to just turn it into a social uh, uh, enterprise and uh, make that the, uh, uh, the key tenure of what we were going to do, that we would have a, obviously a social context to what we do in community radio. Um, but I was clear that we needed to make jobs. I was also clear that what had pulled me out of um, social deprivation, what pulled me out of poverty, what pulled me out of, 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 uh, of violence and some racism uh, was an economic factor. And that the fact that I'd had a, I've actually got a job, it allowed me to travel, allowed me to, to think differently without the, you know, um, with different kinds of, 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 of fears, without, um, you, you know, uh, a violence being uh, kind of one of those fears, just you know, would be economic. And that was something that Again, that has marked my my life. You know, creating opportunities, literally <laughs> robbing the uh, the rich, like uh, UE Bristol, for instance. Um, you know, making sure we got local contractors, uh, local poets uh, you know, for the event that we just had uh, um, uh, had, and you know, just a small fee, but making sure that those are. are um, that goes uh, back into the uh, um, community, the spirit of localism. We again now I know that as a social entrepreneurship, those principles and values are are important to carve out before you start. So you know, and you, it guides and you and what what you uh, want to do. That's fascinating, Roger. Thank you, Sam. Did you want to come in there? Yeah, there's so much here, Roger. I'm writing copious notes, so then you've moved on to something else already, and I can't come back to it. It's absolutely I can't keep up with you. Um, I wanted to just hover around this idea of volu voluntarism uh, and volunteerism, because the way you're describing it, and again, kind of looking at this from the uh, from a serious ledger perspective, you know, the way you're describing it, it kind of goes hand in hand with a, with a, a related idea within the perspective, which is devotee work. And, you, you know, there's parallels there, you know, that devotee, you know, the, the, the work that we do that we might get some reward for, you know, monetary reward or remuneration for, but it's limited. But we do it largely because it's an extension of our passion. And, you know, certainly in, in the case of yourself, you know, firmly attached and an extension of your own identity in terms of, you know, social entrepreneurialism um you know contribute contribute to, uh, to community and i just wonder yeah i just I, I guess it's more of an observation but then i get you know a question i might ask you then is would that does that resonate with you that notion of devotee where you know something you, you it's devoted it's you've made it you've made a conscious choice to step away from you know the work that you you felt at that at that moment in time was not fulfilling you wholly and you've taken the opportunity and risk, I think, there's a certain element of risk, which you've already kind of implied, to, to go in search of a more fulfilling kind of lifestyle where within which you're doing some form of work, but it's perhaps a bit more uh, giving in terms of your own kind of growth and enrichment. And I just wonder if you could spend a bit of time, just it's really the decision making I'm interested in there, you know, in terms of what makes you happy. I can, you know, the volunteer, volunteerism, yes, 
you know, doing something that mean, you know, you talk about values and benefits and beliefs. You know, so what was the decision making process there that allowed you to make that move? Yeah, it was it was as simple as um really plotting you know, what can I do? What am I I could have uh, you, you know, if it was if it was money my key driver, well, not really. Um, how much money do you do you actually need? What so you know, money will follow whatever career I I I choose, and if some some you know, especially at my time, because uh, a large part of the time I wasn't paid at, uh, uh, I certainly never took there was no salary. It was something everything was 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 driven from a, uh, a from a project. So. It was, it was, it was, money was not going to be a, a, a kind of key driver and that, that, that could always follow. Uh, writing, one of the most poorest careers I could possibly choose, but that just that gave me a lot more in, enrichment. Obviously, in the middle, you, you know, you, you, you kind of need to survive, but that's where, you know, uh, I was lucky that some of the redundancy uh, would occur, and that's why I make the, um, uh, again, the, the reference uh, only in terms of, um, buying a house early gives me so I had, I had you know any homeowner um like many people who were students listen to this uh, uh, podcast know they have a, a certain amount of financial security that comes with owning uh, uh, owning owning property even if it's never yours um until the you know later age there's still that there there's there's uh, wealth and capital that you can borrow on and invest in and you're seen as a uh, an all-round uh, a good citizen I don't make the rules uh, uh, sadly um so money wasn't the, uh, the key driver, despite, yeah, as, as you allude to, uh, family members. Um, my father has passed away, worked 32 years for London Underground, and that was only in his, he couldn't believe the choice I was going to make. Um, uh, and, but he, he, you know, accepted it. And then I, you know, got, to, you know, my dear nephew, I helped to kind of raise, who's kind of driven by uh, the more capitalist side of things. And, th and those actually, Turned me the opposite way. I'm very stubborn in in, in, uh, in that way. So it was never uh, uh, money. I looked at contribution that was for uh, fulfilling. That again, that was going to take you so far. So again, and I think you needed a, a kind of mix of uh, obviously you need money to to go by, get by in terms of going you know, visiting America. There's no free passes uh, to that. You need some some uh, time uh, uh, then. And I also went from a, you know having. Worked for the city council at a time when you know, wonderful of the you know, it sounds like I'm in I'm, I'm in the uh, the 1880s, not 1980s and, and 90s, but um, things like time in lieu and um, overtime, uh, uh, and um, uh, you know, I got time in lieu as a as a senior uh, uh, manager, and even uh, paid holidays, uh, none of which I've I have uh, for the last 10 years. Um, as a social entrepreneur, uh, uh, so um, that awards a, a little bit of of uh, security, particularly with a, a good employer, a city council. You know, had some ups and downs, but overall, fantastic employer. Um, it, you know, pension, sick leave, uh, all of those things, which were um, someone come out the building sites and as raw as I was, was uh, were you know kind of heaven uh, and luxury items as, as far as I concerned. You know, the basic. Uh, uh, requirements of, of an employer uh, I, I came to learn as but that's what kind of you know I've never forgotten where I've come from and never forgotten where my parents came from and traveling over next to nothing from uh, uh, Guyana and the Caribbean dad you know famously took you know 20 odd days to come here 
uh, via plane and boats, um, sending for his family, um, being in a, you know, uh, all cramped up in a room. Uh, the mum and dad split up. We had some you know, rough times in, 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 in Bristol and growing up. So them, those, those things aren't ever forgotten. And so relatively luxury uh, as being a, a homeowner with space and security um, as, as it gives you a good foundation to kind of uh, move on. So in terms of that, that devotion, it's finding out, you, you know, what kind of works, works. That's why I keep coming back to, to um, contribution and, and, and fulfillment and the production side of the things when I'm, you know, producing things that we put on at the Bristol Old Vic. 50 Voices for Malcolm X, which used local campaigners like Boy Hackett, even a, um, a, a mayoral candidate as he was uh, then called Marvin Reese. You may have heard of him, uh, mayor of, of, of Bristol. Uh, and, you know, we had people, uh, um, a disability group uh, called Misfits and put them on the stage at Bristol Vic for, for the first time, Rick at Trinity. Uh, they were you know, part of our social justice. So even that, uh, you know, kind of gave a, 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 a familiar a fulfillment uh, and a gang ensuring that there was a, a budget that came along that paid uh, uh, artists. So you, you'd you have that um, both cachet and reputation, um, even if people didn't uh, kind of always agree with uh, uh, things that as they were done, I was always going to uh, work in the, with those uh, fame um, principles. Thanks, Roger. I'll um, chip in here if, if that's okay. Um... Um, I was joking in previous recordings that I overuse the word fascinating, but I think here the word is inspirational, really. Um, it's, um, it, it's, it's quite really quite something how um, you've, you've built this new life for yourself. I can't even use the word career because it's career, but it's more than, um, than that. Um, we have discussed uh, during this podcast in previous lives how things like health events allow us to reconsider our lives and what's important. Um, in your case, was it was redundancy, but it was also your lived experience and, and what you considered important and the influence of your family, your upbringing, your mentors, your community in, in terms of where you, you invested your values and, and yourself. Um, it made me think a lot about um, conversations, formal, informal, um, and uh, kind of lead me to believe a lot of us are currently reevaluating our lives because of COVID um, and what is important and how we want to spend the rest of our living days in terms of um, our career and focusing on what is important. Um, and I, it's just really um, from your experience. Um, if you um, are going to give advice to somebody like yourself, um, um, somebody who is actually thinking, I, I, I need more, I can give more, um, how, what, where would you advise to them to start? What, what, what would you say um, to, to them? Use paper and pen, uh, write or draw. Um... Uh, you know, I believe firmly in the collection. I know we've got, I've got three, maybe four uh, electronic uh, devices that I can type on. But um, first of all, uh, you know, I believe in the old fashioned um, 
pen and paper or quill and uh, or even uh, chisel and stone uh, from our, our ancestors. So I believe that connection there. And write out about the things that you 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 enjoy and, and trying to do more of them. That you know, for me, it's travel and talked about the creative arts. Uh, uh, a lot of others it could be garden. Others have a family. Um, uh, uh, as well as as, as as part of that of doing uh, different things uh, and doing more of them there is you know we're all connected to the same amount of hours in a uh, uh, in a week so it's when you have uh, and some outcomes and some goals uh, is is in terms of what's uh, written down after you found out you know perhaps what you in, what you enjoy what you you know, kind of have to do in terms of um, either caring responsibilities or financial responsibilities, you're still left with, a, a, you know, certainly in the West, a certain amount of time um, to kind of connect with the things that you uh, in, in enjoy. And that's uh, certainly a, a, a leisure, sporting, uh, creative uh, uh, pursuit. And, you, you you know, you may want to turn one of those hobbies in, into part of the career that you're, you're doing. Or that might be uh, that volunteering that I, I spoke about, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, mentoring, uh, working with a local school or uh, the Cub Scouts or a voluntary organisation offering an area of expertise. There's so much an hour, two hours, uh, ten or, or a whole week that can be uh, given. I believe, and I think, you know, the the reward is is as rewarding as uh, in terms of, of giving as the, as the one to uh, 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 receive it. So I think it's really getting in touch with, you know, a lot of people, um, and you know, get fight past the era of uh, what's selfish, and uh, I don't want to hear any of that. You have to look after yourself before you can give to uh, to others in a good state mentally. And again. Um, that, that that's vital, but again, this this is um, uh, something that that builds up self esteem, that builds up uh, self confidence, that 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 gives you you know, especially when you, you you tap back on the things, even the things that haven't worked, as I mentioned, um, things that, you know, some dark times with with with, with mum, and um, you know, I'm a I'm a father uh, as well. That hasn't always gone well, but. Um, you, you know, you you know they've got a, a resilient a resilience. You know that you're, uh, if not indestructible, but certainly there are things that you you've come through, uh, and you can you can do again. And a lot of that is is about you know accepting failure, accepting compromise. Um, but it's first and foremost driven by having a, a goal and an outline of, of what it is that you want to do. And that's what I've certainly connected with. Um, over the last uh, uh, 20 years, not, not going to other people's agendas, going to uh, an agenda as mine. Some of them have been years in the making. As I said, from about 2001, I knew that um, there was a, a chance of, of, of redundancy. I was seven out of eight years in review. And it, so it's just a matter of time and just waiting uh, 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 for that. So that was a long-term uh, plan. And then there are short-term plans where there might be just, a, I could say, a, a small project. Um, over the last year, as I said, I've committed to wanting to branch out in writing, and I've had a you know great support from Arts Council England in in, in doing that as an artist uh, uh, and not as a, a board member, and have been delighted to take across those those fields of, of writing, including um, having a, a chapter published uh, along with Nisha Bevin on uh, the environment and. Um, uh, 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 black and uh, people of colour uh, being left out of the uh, the equation of um, 
uh, environmental uh, racial justice that we we need to kind of have that reckoning uh, as well uh, following uh, helped uh, co-found the black and green project along with Paul San and that's now left firm in the hands of the Gima Radio and Bristol Green Capital project and taking that forward. Thanks Roger it's so interesting to listen to you and to listen to how you have prioritized your values and made space for, for, for your values in your practice. But it also occurs to me as I'm listening to you that one of your core values is personal development um, and lifelong learning. And actually your constant pursuit of different activities um, and different ways of um, enhancing your skills, developing yourself, experimenting and trying something out had then allowed you to, to do that transition and to be in your current life um, doing the kinds of things that, that may make you happy. Um, and as somebody who once upon a time used to teach personal and professional development for students, <laughs> you're really the example that I would have wanted to, to put in terms of that commitment to own growth, but also own growth in fun ways, not only in, in instrumental ways, but own growth in follow, following your heart. Um, and, and, and following your, your values. Uh, there's no question in this, but feel free to comment if you wish. It, it just really struck me. No, uh, thank you for um, kind of reappraising that in terms of personal development and lifelong learning. I've um, made a note of that um, uh, as well. So it's, uh, you know, learned from uh, the conversation, even, even here myself and even you know, talking about some of the things that you know, I've, I've got and I've done. Uh, I'm getting to a bit of a, a, a veteran stage, but that that, that is, um, you know, those two commitments of, of, of lifelong uh, learning and, and personal development, and also there's uh, the hard business side of it to, to improve skills, as I've done with management, but also uh, some of the softer skills in terms of the uh, uh, the writing courses that I've done just last year. I mean, the play writing was instrumental um, in improving my uh, improving my skills. I was really struggling. Uh, with the art of playwriting and the course just gave me that that structure uh, and it was amazing how it's you know kind of fit in, in, in into place uh, uh, a year ago i couldn't write dialogue and now um even in my fiction writing um people are praising me about the you know the fictional dialogue um it's, it's a skill that I've, I've developed over the last uh, uh, 18 months so it's 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 not true what they say old old, old dogs can learn, learn new tricks um, thanks, Roger. I know Sam is very keen to ask you a few questions, so I'll pass you directly on, on to him. It's very difficult to ask you a question, Roger, just simply because there's so much I want to get into one single question. So, again, it's, it's kind of an observational kind of piece for me, but then leading to maybe, I don't know, an open invitation to elaborate on uh, from your part. So there's some pretty intentional language that you're using all the way through here which I think is really really important you know you're using the word connection quite a bit and I think that's that's really interesting and you've talked about you know being life-wide in your in your outlook um you know you didn't use those th th that word but life-wide is, is how I you know so you're not you're looking for connections across multiple planes of activity yeah and I think that's that's a really interesting 
thing to consider because a lot a lot of people we've had on the podcast have one thing yeah they have one interest you know you have multiple interests so what you've done is you've looked for and built connection between all of them and brought them in to an interrelationship with each other in a way that allows you to do all of them but still derive that value and still be able to then contribute something through being involved in those and and again coming at this from the from the serious perspective you know so a a concept we might apply to this for instance is uh, the idea of an optimal leisure lifestyle and this is something that we 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 all maybe strive for we we, we'd never you know i don't suppose consciously or, or intentionally go out our way to do these things however i would argue that you have you know and you've done you've done that in terms of whether it be the, the 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 more casual kind of leisure kind of relaxation, and you found time for that, and you, you've you've managed to, to position those in a way that you're still able to do those things. But certainly, you can hear in the way that you talk about your writing and your creative pursuits, you know, it, the connections you've built up with that between those activities and pursuits with your, you know, social uh, social entrepreneurial work, your volunteer commitments, you know. That, so for me, that, that's an intentional thing that you've done, seeking those connections, building those connections and taking that life wide view. But not necessarily you talked about goals and being short term and long term, but I think it's very much for me it boils down to being authentically you as opposed. That's the goal. The goal isn't you know to have a long term change the world. It's to continue being authentically yourself and being able to maintain that attitude of contribution would you say that's a a fair kind of appraisal of you know your your leisure attitude i guess yeah remind remind me to contact you when i need a biography um i think that's uh <laughs> i think that's uh, a great summary of of, of that and i love the word in, 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 in intentional it's uh, you know, i hear about luck and then sometimes i slip into all of that there is obviously elements of, of that but there has been that intent Connections definitely. I've named the company after uh, uh, that. Platforms, bridges. That's how I, I kind of see it. Um, when I was at uh, before I um, got asked to join the Arts Council board, it would always uh, uh, strike me as um, it, it, you know, and, and from my time in in Lawrence Western, living in a, a white working class environment, but being with a, a black family in, in uh, from London and visiting there uh, regularly, I've always been in two worlds. Um, you know. Um, yeah, Michael Wanker's song "Black Man in a White Man's World" is one of my you know, songs, uh, 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 if you like. So, uh, to, to to make that real uh, example that always struck me was is just bizarre. And in Bristol, I do work with Watershed. I have some fantastic times. I've been very supportive of my my career through Come the Revolution, uh, kind of film collective. Um, that I, uh, I participate with, we'd have great conversations at, uh, uh, and I'd meet a lot of uh, different uh, kind of uh, white administrators and white uh, artists and act- activists, and they'd have a project or a, a scheme uh, or initiative or go in and or they they put on a film like, kind of where are the you know where are the black community and uh, all the underrepresented groups. Um, I can we get more diversity in? I'd walk two miles, um, probably less than that, a mile and a half into the heart of St. Paul's um, for a meeting or a, a, an evening occasion. And 
you know, inevitably the conversation would be, yeah, well, there's no opportunities and one that's uh, 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 there. And I'm like, I've just left them having an exactly parallel conversation. How can I bring this together? What can, what can the work uh, do um, uh, to do that? And that's where kind of Ajima came in to kind of fill that uh, 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 a gap and uh, you know even work with what I uh, controversially term as kind of um, enemies and frenemies in terms of you know these these aren't you know some of the you know whether it's there is all kinds of skepticism whether it's Huey Bristol whether it's Merchants and Ventures whether it's Bristol Post and then making the, the apology uh, you, you know everybody's got their own uh, agendas everybody's got uh, a past and a history that you're not gonna gonna agree with organizationally though what can be done and then you know sometimes you're dealing with individuals uh, within an organization and, and and that's the key difference to make so making that connection has, has been uh, a vital i mean so you say about authenticity and that's because i'm changed by uh, my opinion i still fight racism i still fight social justice but i understand that um you know there are there are ways to turn uh, having triple win scenarios win for uh, the organization that's funding the, the, the project win for the people delivering it uh, and the win for um uh, myself and all the team that i'm i'm working with uh, and if you're working on along those ways where you're getting you know more people happy never had no such thing as 100 percent is always going to be uh, something then you're you're going to be on the right track so there's that's the intent that's uh, that, that kind of uh, drives that on a wider basis but personally yes it's always been a um uh, delivered from my beliefs and value system Roger, while I'm listening to you describe your approach and, and all the things that you pack in, I, I'm not going to lie, at some level, I, I feel kind of slightly exhausted. <laughs> Maybe I'm just weak-minded. Um, I just, um, I'm wondering how, with this approach that you've made, where work, leisure, life, meaning, it's all kind of smooshing and swirling together there, how do you stop yourself from burning out? Because actually, it seems to me that you couldn't necessarily, how, how does one escape into leisure if in fact work and leisure are all in the same areas mixing in? Um, how do you stop yourself from overworking and make sure that you're still recharging? I think that's the area that goes to the, the uh, kind of the right side, the left side is creative, and then you try and get something, something in the middle. If you're um, that the projects I take all, all, all projects of social value, but they, you know, can still lead to, to burnout. I mean, you know, very much engage in what uh, uh, UE Bristol are trying to do, and in, uh, in terms of decolonizing the curriculum, in terms of more uh, uh, representation, and, and even um, just working with the, the students in terms of, of, of mentoring. I've just been you know, kind of delighted to be on the um, relatively newcomer, just be um, on the Students Hall of Fame recently, um, which has just dropped in this week. So I think those kind of affirmations and those, um, they, they help, you know, there's no room for tiredness when you, you know, you, you know, somebody needs help and uh, a, a support, and that's whether that's an individual or, or organization. But having a, you know, choosing a creative arts as opposed to sport being my other. Um, uh, a passion in, in, in life, both I used to play, but I, I no longer. But I suppose, you know, when you're reading great 
work or you're watching um i get through quite a lot of a few box sets that kind of recharges your kind of thinking i'm also always driven that you know for all of my talents immortality isn't one of them so you know i get some sleep like we all will at some time and you know there's no there's no time or or, or resting for that i've come to this relatively late I told you about you know 10 years of uh, unemployment and and, uh, and struggle and, and, and violence. I told you the middle part of my career um, was uh, uh, within uh, being a bureaucrat, a very proud bureaucrat within local government uh, of, of 18 years. And so, the, so this part of it really allows me to, um, you know, a work work, work from home. Uh, the pandemic has uh, been fortunate uh, uh, for for that in terms of got home. I've got internet. I've got security. I've got space. I'm not quietness um from the area that I, I i i live in so you 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 know when you get those affirmations from life and society people affirmations that i've just mentioned in terms of uh, awards and accolades or just just simple things of of, of life you just think well you, you you know we're going to create more of that and you're on the you're on the right track it's almost like you know life does pat you uh, uh, back uh, on the back sure there are setbacks uh, uh, along the way but relatively and especially from where i've come from and where my parents have come from they're they're relatively few and all part of life so i think that kind of recharges the uh, the, uh, the batteries not seeing friends has been um uh not not great but we, we you know we've worked we've worked around that gone for one-to-one walks um uh, you know my uh, line manager at UE Lynn Barlow has been found, you know, just greatly and supportive, known her for, for, for a while and just in terms of doing what I've done, working with uh, Alicia and Mian on the Windrush project again, taking the Black Elders up to um, yeah, Bower Ashton and campus for the first time, it's the first time they were out. When you see those things and see the students interact with them, as I said, it just recharges the, uh, uh, the battery, sure you feel fatigued. Uh, you know, my my partner has to kind of uh, uh, bear with uh, uh, all of that, but ultimately, that's what uh, I I believe I was I, I I'm here to to do. I talked about contribution in terms of those uh, uh, values, um, and that's ultimately uh, a, a part of it. But you reinvest that through writing. That's what recharges me. I know um, in terms of. Uh, if I haven't written, uh, the last couple of weeks have been really intense. I'm not as happy as I was. Uh, and so I need to start writing again. Uh, and ultimately, I get a little bit of buzz in there. I was like, if I start slipping back into that, try 15 minutes each time or, you know, doing some some uh, research or reading around it, I'm better. I'm more uh, 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 happier. So that's in a kind of escapism, uh, especially when it gets to the, the kind of fixed inside where you can just take yourself away from um, you know, financial COVID pressures or, family stuff and just escape into your own world so it keeps going back to that that you know having those uh, kind of creative uh, uh, anchors I strongly believe in uh, them alongside and, and having that uh, kind of work-life uh, uh, balance so it doesn't feel so much you know my writing doesn't feel like work it feels like a, a bazooka because I'm, I've, I've encompassed it in, in my life I'm now a paid uh, uh, writer about you know, three writing commissions this uh, this year and um, that's so, it, it, but it doesn't feel like uh, uh, work when I deliver in the training and working for UE. Yes, that does. But again, there's an element uh, there in terms of delivering race quality uh, training, uh, either via Creative Connects or uh, Diversity Trust that I'm really pleased and proud of. 
I'm really struck, Roger, by actually overall what comes through is that actually you're not really trying to escape your life because you've managed to make it a place that you want to occupy right to the corners, um, which is an extraordinary achievement. I think that is what all of us are hoping for and bumbling around trying to work out what to do. So thank you so much for sharing in such a clear and specific way how you've um how you've approached that and i was also very reassured to find that your advice contained something as simple as starting with pen and paper and and what um inspires us i wonder roger if i could um dial back a little bit in our conversation to when you were talking about some of the risks associated with this approach that you've taken you know you were listing the benefits of that bureaucratic section of your life you were talking about where you've got sick pay and holiday pay and security and then you're in this phase now where those are not key features of this kind of portfolio life that you're living. And I think that is something that that, that stops a lot of us, would probably stop many of our listeners being a bit bolder um, with our approach to the way we've constructed our lives. I wonder what um, what is your experience overall in terms of the, is it worth it, risks and benefits? And how did you talk to yourself about these these risk factors when you were starting to make these changes about how you were going to put your life together uh, yeah I, I, again that's where you you, you know I've said um, I'm in a real good close connection with my uh, uh, friends who've been friends now for decades and uh, all the sounds and Byron Lee and Fred Semples and new friends as, as, as Mandy Waduki and Mandy Bancroft at UWE um it's it's just that those those kind of sounding boards what am i you know what's the risk and reward uh i didn't have young children decided that you know i was one of that um as far as children was was concerned so i didn't have that as a um financial freedom from that others will pursue that i earned a reasonable salary that i could save towards uh different things um so uh, those were the the kind of downsides in terms of the the, uh, of the risks and, and and again because I had um, kind of skills uh, I knew I could go back into uh, 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 something else if it if it, if it didn't work out and again, uh, you know not everybody's got those uh, uh, options but I think most people have got more options than they. Uh, perhaps um, um, presume that's where the pen and paper comes down, and uh, the analysis, and the uh, you know, in terms of drawing a path, if if, if that's your way minded of um, you know, finding out what is it ultimately you 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 want to do, uh, because those things will you know they pay for themselves if you uh, if you like. I don't suffer uh, at present. And I know what I'd like to have got family, um, uh, me uh, uh, mental health um, uh, uh, issues. So I don't suffer from that because I think that's linked to the, to my creative stuff. And there's no, um, that's where I, I get my, my solace from. I've looked at, uh, you know, where I am the, uh, the happiest. So those uh, uh, either time lost in, in work or time with the, the counsellor at present, I don't uh, uh, see the requirement uh, uh, for. So there, there are benefits that you can, uh, that you, 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 you gain by having a, a clearer idea, listening to your, your own values as opposed to either your parents or societies uh, or friends. Um, you know, I know what gain, know what peer pressure was. It's not called cool to, to, um, uh you know to be educated i famously uh when i was 16 i went 
did two. Uh, I was knew I could do English, and I did two evening classes. And I had to to invent a second girlfriend um, rather than say that I was going to evening classes. That's uh, the estate that I lived in. That's not their fault. That's down to me. That, uh, to me, that was what my mentality was at, uh, uh, at the time. And then, yeah, they were saying, "Yeah, okay, you're going to see your, um, this, you know, your second girlfriend." Like I wasn't. I was studying uh, in, in choir uh, uh, with with books and uh, um, doing my English O levels. So those were quite, you know, kind of looking back, they're just strange things. And then when you're looking at things on and you see on. Um, on television, you, you're reading it either through fiction or documentaries. You think, oh, it, you know, I've lived quite an extraordinary life, or my family has, or a family member has. Uh, you know, even as I say, my parents, in, in terms of getting here as a sister, there's always, um, you, you know, not everything ends up with in in uh, gold medals or or uh, millions of, of, of pounds. There are lots of ordinary people, especially because that's what I focus on in my broadcasting particularly when I'm in, a, in America, lots of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And it's only moments in, you know, moments in history and moments in time that you're looking for when you're telling a, a story. Not, not, you know, not to joke really about biography, but um, uh, I remember uh, a foot soldier in, a, in, a, uh, in America who met, met Dr. King, March there, was there for the summer uh, uh, riots, which were when I, when I, when I was there. And, you know, he famously told me when um, I told him that I was, he also was there for Barack Obama's uh, inauguration, um, which is another uh, uh, inspiration to me, um, that uh, when he was growing up, they wouldn't vote for a dog catcher because you're uh, in your local uh, area, uh, let alone uh, have a black uh, uh, president. So these extraordinary things are um, uh, kind of, draw and uh, give you that uh, inspiration. Sam, did you want to jump in there? Um, again, kind of just how I, how I kind of uh, uh, attack these things in terms of there's an observation, then there's probably an, an, an open invitation for elaboration from you here. So, you know, what, what I mean, Patty's question was, you know, <laughs> what, uh, what you would, your advice, I guess, in terms of making those decisions and, and to navigate the navigation of, of of that but for me there's there's a clear sense that you've worked hard on your self-awareness you know and and we talked about the the making intentional decisions you know but that self-awareness you know and and to to do that it's a slower process isn't it so we're, we're all very very busy and i and i put myself in this category and, and i'm and i'm just as guilty as everybody else to go I'm far too busy to even process this and make decisions you know to even bring my my values and beliefs into this decision making because I'm just too busy yeah and so is it right is it wrong is there a right or wrong is it is it going to make me happy you know th those kinds of but that self-awareness I think you know you've had for quite some time but it's something that you've honed and nurtured and for me that's allowing you to make intentional decisions about um what it is you do how you do it you know and then creating a craft inside the, the the kind of repertoires within your kind of leisure lifestyle to allow you to do those things in a way that um you know allows, allows you to continue to drive those benefits so I, th I think that for me that's my observation my, my my question i think which is what everybody wants to hear the answer to this okay I'm, and I, I, you know, i'm putting it out there right now 
is you're fairly new to academia, untainted, some would say. Um, give it time is what I would say to that. But also, <laughs> I wonder, given what we've just spent an hour talking about and this wonderful tapestry that you've crafted, um, what are your honest appraisals of the academic culture in higher education? Because surely you've, you start, you, you've got a sense of how things work. You've probably had, you know, marginal experiences of people asking you to come in and do talks and stuff in the past. And I wonder how, you know, you, you know whether that's, that's, how, that's been your hook you're in, if you like. But what, you know, you, you, you obviously interact with academics on a daily basis now. You're, you're part of the culture. How does that sit with you, given what we've just discussed? I don't think we've got time for an, uh, a full answer, but it's the question I'll be wanting to ask for about 25 minutes. I don't know how to give half answers, so you're going to have to bear, <laughs> uh, 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 bear with me my process uh, and, and, and doing so, I'll, I'll talk through it. Um, it sits with me, first of all, was, uh, um, uncomfortably, as I said, I, I've, I've never been to a university. I don't know what the, the kind of system uh, uh, is. Um, so yeah, and that, so thinking that say nobody I know, friends, family, none of none of whom went to university. It was more you know seeing that report from uh, the local government um, talking about the failure of white working class boys. But I grew up alongside them, and that's been going on for for decades. Quite why they felt the need to bring in um, uh, you know, white privilege and other uh, areas in this, these culture wars. Uh, it's another story for uh, uh, another day, but so some some of that is is un, is uncomfortable in terms of the, you know that's who you're kind of perceived as. Um, but then there's lots that I, I offer, and I know what um, in terms of you know, going back to what you uh, in terms of the values, beliefs, in terms of life lifelong learning uh as well but i know what i've got to to offer i know what that intention is and that that, that history uh uh um that, that i bring that other people don't bring uh and can't bring that's what you know that's what i'm i'm here uh to give and and, and be a part of so that that's when it does feel uh uh very uh very much uh, uh being comfortable in terms of you know even before i started working at uh at the university, someone had read my, an academic had read my book, and they said, "Next time, have a think about doing it alongside a PhD because you've got a lot of research in there. You've set it out. It's a bit uh, rough and raw and ready, sure, because uh, my, my my first attempt at uh, anything like that, the way I'd gone about it, it's been four months in uh, Bristol Central Library looking at the issue of the transatlantic slave trade and Bristol's role uh, uh, within that was was was." Was um, something again that I just felt I needed to. I needed to understand it. I need to have a different relationship with the transatlantic slave trade. It was one of um, a real um, uh, anger, uh, understandably. I don't, you know, it hasn't moved anywhere. But I had to kind of learn from that. Wasn't going to get anywhere in the in what I wanted to say. Otherwise, it'd just been a, a book of anger, and there's nothing wrong with that approach. That's not what I wanted to, to do. Is the words of uh, former premier of. Trinidad uh, was about the business of slavery. Eric Williams is another uh, someone of uh, African descent, but um, president of Trinidad Tobago, and wrote of uh, have to be kind of dispassionate and uh, kind of look at us as our, our ancestors as commodities, and uh, in order to understand and unpick, and then explain and then work with 
um, uh, uh, for the future. And that, uh, you know, that, that kind of changed my view of it. Again, that's an, a very academic way of, of, of looking at, at those things. So these latent skills or kind of things that we're doing already uh, in terms of preparing the first book or preparing a, uh, an essay I was, I was, I was doing. And so I, 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 I embrace them. And I know that's all part of my kind of career trajectory. I love teaching uh, at, at, the, at the university and, and the interaction with the students that, uh, that I have and what they gain from it and what they can see. They can see, you know, hopefully something of themselves in that, that study and struggle, um, you, know, you know, from whatever background in terms of, you know, using a family connection or it might be uh, the, uh, due to ethnicity or, or again, being the first in their family to study. So those, those things are, 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 are things that I'm very now proud of and I embrace. Um, um, in terms of the, how the apparatus, as you say, that kind of, I've seen enough not to be too drawn into it, um, but that's only because there's only certain hours uh, in, in the day. I'm working on uh, the 25th hour and eighth day. Um, I'm not allowed to say anything about that. No, it's, 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 it's very, it's a hush-hush op operation. Um, um, we're, we're, we're not that far away. You'll, you'll, you'll be able to see it in, in Matrix 5 or something like that. But um, in all seriousness, there are just so many things that I want to uh, pursue. Uh, I'm quite happy at the level that I, I, I'm working to get a lot of freedom, as mentioned, uh, in terms of the, you know, the teaching, um, you know, guest lecturing, and, and, and coming across and giving advice to uh, uh, academics, and that interaction with students, and, and working with projects that connect the community uh, to the university and vice versa. Uh, to me, there's there's so many um, academics within our community, so so much about their, their their subject that we we can learn from. And when I approached the university, I said yes, of course, uh, not no, we don't know about that. Things have changed mentally, and will continue to work rapidly. And I'm uh, happy to be at the heart of those those conversations. Such an interesting commentary, Roger. Thank you for sharing those insights. Um, as we start to bring things to a close, Petia, did you have some last comments for Roger? I've been listening um, to, to everything Roger was saying, and I, I would attempt to make a comment on what I've heard. And then, Roger, please feel free to tell me that's a lot of rubbish. <laughs> and so um, I'm kind of very conscious about making comments on, on some other people's lives. Um, but what I feel like we've heard today is a lot around your lived experiences as a, as a Black man living in Bristol and what and you've gone on a journey to reflect and interpret these and capture these through your art and through your work but also you've gone on a very um we, we talked about you going a very conscious um journey of your own development and growth but I, th I think a lot of your work is through your work you have been helping all of us develop and grow in terms of our, our understanding of your lived experiences and the lived experiences of, of your parents and, and, and your community, um, and then going as far as the kind of the US um, co context and, and all of that. Um, and I think through, through all of this, we have discovered the secret of the matrix in terms of the 25th hour <laughs> or the eighth day in the week. Um, is because, like Sam was saying, you have been authentically yourself and you've been doing something that's meaningful. Um, 
And the word leisure doesn't begin to capture it because it's leisure, it's work, is being yourself, being your authentically, authentic self, but also changing the world in your own way, in the way that you, you, you kind of, you, you have the capacity to do so and you've developed and grown that capacity. Um, it's, it's really interesting to just get that full picture of thinking, being, and way of being in the world and way of changing the world. That, that, so that's what I, I kind of heard through, through our discussion today. Uh, and I'm not sure if you have any kind of anything to comment on, on, on that or indeed um, question any of that. No, I think, I, I think that's a, a kind of fair summary. If I can you know, draw on both of those last kind of two um, uh, questions and um, combine them to, to, to kind of gather in, in, a, in a summary in terms of just, just having an a, a, a awareness of where you're kind of plotting to, to go towards. I mean, it does mean you have to, it is very deliberate and it does mean you have to slow down a, a, a lot because um, you're working towards something. It's not, you, you shouldn't be on a treadmill. I, you know, I joke with my partner about the tortoise and hare approach where I will take my, uh, you know, he's like, come on, come on, gotta get there. I'm like, why? You know, let's get there. Yeah, get there when we kind of get there uh, in life and then you know whilst he's sleeping for a nap I'm I've, I've made it there uh conscientiously it might go around the uh, this way and that way so there's there is that that liberation that I think we all can can bring to our our private lives and, and that rigor uh that we we have in our professional lives I think we can bring that into uh, our, our domestic life off of here no I don't want to plan anything and that's that's all well and good my sister's like that However, what do you, you know, what do you actually um, want to achieve when you uh, uh, when you end things? And then to, to, to a little bit of sorry of um, uh, Sam's uh, 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 question, but to you to your point, yeah, growing up, growing up black in Bristol, and particularly British, when we were when we were growing up, being told to go back home, home is Bristol, um, and. Um, I'm born in 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 in, in London, so it's it, it's, it's kind of um, have, having those having those experiences, having them that still sting. Um, they, they they do kind of uh, uh, guide you, and they haven't been. They aren't that resilience is drawn over, uh, 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 over decades, which is partly where the other uh, kind of question kind of popped in. So we're able to make those decisions. When I got. Uh, asked to accept the um, uh, uh, MBE. It's a decision for everybody of of of, uh, of color with the word empire. If you've got that that background, um, I come from a, a place where Demerara sugar was 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 made. Uh, in terms of my parents' connection, so the the, the slave fields are, are there. The, the sugar cane towers above where my parents went to school. Um, but they see themselves as, as, as British, you know, most of the, um, it was called British uh, uh, Ghana, I can't change those things. So I was able to make a decision based on family, based on the friends who've supported me through years. Uh, and that, that sat comfortably with me in terms of uh, uh, it being uh, uh, something of a acceptance. So I, I think if you, once, once you've got that framework and, uh, uh, and foundation, um, you're able to 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 make more more clear-headed uh, uh, decisions going back to the you know having those um, you know kind of values and uh, and beliefs in uh, uh, in place. And, and sorry, the other point about the academia that I just noted was that um, I'm often asked about 
uh, uh, Why You America? And um, again, that um, before I started at, at, at university, um, uh, that's something that researchers do. They go to a different field, anthropologists, and, and they they have a look at uh, things. At, at, I, I now know that there are, there are words for these things, anthropophily, ethnography, uh, 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 and more. I didn't know that uh, uh, at the time. So I was already on that. Uh, 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 that that field of of work, examples from the civil rights, from racism, which are are extreme and horrific, and they still are in terms of George Floyd, Miss A named Brianna Taylor, also give uh, lots of inspiration from uh, you know kind of Dr King to Rosa Parks, which inspired the Bristol Bus Boycott, which inspired our our our, our um, equality laws that we have uh, today, and making those connections. Uh, bring it back home to, to what uh, uh, Sam said is something that uh, clearly is a value that uh, I espouse and wanted to uh, deliver and be a living embodiment for. Roger, thank you so much for everything you've contributed to this podcast episode. I feel like we could go on and on. And I have to say, by a kind of feeling of osmosis, I um, you're passing through a sense of just passion and intentionality about the way that you're living your life and the way that you've put it together. And uh, and it's an enormous challenge to me, and as I'm sure it will be to our listeners, um, because there's a simplicity about um, the way that you are living and your approach and that you have chosen to, um, to look in the mirror, to find your authentic self, to be accountable to that authentic self and to bring those values and intentions into the corners the distant corners of your life. It's been absolutely fascinating hearing how you have done that and also what the potential costs and challenges have been, but ultimately the exceptional rewards and benefits. So thank you so much for telling us your story and for articulating with um, such insight um, the different parts of your experience and responding to our, our questions. Well, thank you. Thank you all. It's been a, a real pleasure and hope you are uh... Uh, I've enjoyed it. It's great to reflect on these things that helped me uh, tremendously. Thank you all. Thanks so much, Roger. And of course, thank you to our regular contributors. Thank you to Dr. Sam Elkington and to my colleague Petia Petrova for relinquishing the presenter's chair for this episode. And thank you, of course, to our wider podcast team, Julia Denman and Helga Gunnarsdottir, who is working in the background on recording and sound. So goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to joining you on our next episode where we continue to talk about leisure, work and well-being and what we can all do to engage with leisure seriously. Goodbye. Goodbye.